And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And Father God, I want to have that heart that Paul had, to not know anything except you and the power of your crucifixion and resurrection, Lord God. And we know it's not of us, not of our eloquence, not of our, how well we can speak, but the power resides in you. And we pray this morning, Lord God, that you would use us even more to spread and preach the good news that Jesus Christ has come He's dying on the cross for our sins, and he ascended into heaven. Lord, we have a wonderful message to share. Give us the power and boldness to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <clears throat> it's been said, and I believe it's true, when a person shares from the word of God, the message they share is first and foremost for the one sharing. And I found out this week, this is, very true for me today, is we're going to be talking about sharing the gospel, as you can see from the title. If we care, we should share. The importance of witnessing. <clears throat> and I, I do it in my teachings when I preach here. I do it when I go to the senior homes and share. At funerals. I don't think I would mind preaching before a thousand or more people. But to do it to a stranger, to go up and share unannounced, I struggle. You know, I, I kind of relate it to in business. When you want to make a sale and it, you, you uh, call up somebody, random person, it's called making a cold call. We've all had those calls. You answer the phone and they say, hello, today's your lucky day. I've got the greatest sale on the sharpest knives you've ever had. And then you're kind of, you don't want to be rude, but you're saying, no, thank you. And they keep on talking, and you got to hang up. So if someone approaches me and says, I want to hear about Jesus, I'm like, praise God. Let's sit down. you got an hour or two. But for me to initiate that conversation, you know, and you may think, you're, but you're a pastor, you know. I, I'm a pastor. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Amen. I'm a man with strengths and weaknesses. And I've been convicted. I've had to repent as I, as I uh, got together this message that the Lord put on my heart. And it's been painful. And I'll give you an example of the depth of my depravity. In, in the foyer, on the little table out there, you'll see these little business cards. And they're like tracks. And you, you hand them out. Now, I don't say this to brag, but... The Lord put on my heart to be the one to bring them here. And I like them because you can put them in your wallet. And the other day, I thought of this. I don't think to pass them out. I carry them around with me. It doesn't even, the thought. Every once in a while, I'll be in a restaurant, and I'll think of it. But overall, and boy, I tell you, the Lord had to really, the Holy Spirit took me out to that spiritual woodshed, so to speak. But, but it's good. Because it's just more evidence that God loves me because the word says, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens. 
<clears throat> but my, my message today was sparked by a book that I had in my office that I, I uh, hadn't looked at yet. And uh, the title intrigued me. The title of the book is The One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. So there's a lot of things I could think of that you can't do in heaven. But from this author's perspective, it was this. The one thing you can't do in heaven, share the gospel with an unbeliever. Right? No unbelievers in heaven. <clears throat> so, can, so as far as witnessing to others, it ends when we die. So conversely, the time to do that is while we're alive. And it's important because people hearing the gospel is important to God. And one of the painful revelations that I had was, I don't have God's heart for the lost. You know, uh, and sometimes I'll, I'll think of this. In this country, everybody's heard the name of Jesus, right? With the te technology we have and the way we can communicate. So I think to myself, well, they've heard the gospel, and they've rejected it. That's a decision they've made. But that's not God's heart. You want to hear God's heart? It's 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. <clears throat> What's Jesus' heart? Well, the last words he spoke before ascending into heaven from Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus said, go, th go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And this is called the Great Commission, right? Marching orders from our commander of the Lord's army, and because all believers are soldiers in the Lord's army, it's for us. So when you think about it, though, good things happen when you share the gospel. And you're more likely to have a good outcome. So when we share the gospel, there's one of three outcomes that are going to happen. And we're going to label them good or bad. Right? One of three possible things. Number one, the person gets saved. Praise the Lord. That's good. Second thing that could happen, seeds are planted or watered. That's good, too. So far, two for two. Third thing, the person rejects the message. And as I'm going to share later on, not us, they reject the message. So mathematically, two out of three good things are going to happen. That's about 66%. Now, I'm going to use a sports analogy because I, I like sports. In baseball, if you get a base hit two out of three times, you're batting well over 600. You would be the greatest baseball player in the history. In basketball, if you make 66% of your shots, you're the greatest basketball player. So whenever we share the gospel, there's a 66% chance good's going to come out of it. Right? But that's not entirely true. Actually, there's a 100% chance something good happening. And you say, what? Wait a minute. A person rejecting Jesus, how could that be good? Well, I'll bring your attention to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14. 
<coughs> Peter wrote, if you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, Jesus is blasphemed, but on your part, Jesus is glorified. So when we share, and our message is rebuffed, when we're reproached, and the word reproach means to rail at, to chai, to taunt. When we suffer these things, two good things result. Number one, we're blessed. I love when God blesses me. <clears throat> and more importantly, Jesus is glorified. And I share, there's nothing better we can do with our lives than glorify our Savior. So it's not good for the person rejecting but that's between them and God. We've done what God wants us to do, and a big theme in the Bible is God rewards obedience. The most well-known teaching I believe Jesus did is called Sermon on the Mount. The prelude to that is what we call the Beatitudes, and Jesus describing different kinds of people, those who are poor in spirit, those who are mourned, those who are meek. And the last people he shares about, and this is in Matthew uh, chapter 15, <clears throat> Jesus said, when he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear and understand, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets were before you. Now, that won't always be the response of people when we share, but when it does, Jesus says, you're blessed. Jesus says, rejoice. Be happy because you're earning rewards. And I heard the story of these college students that went out uh, witnessing. They were going door to door in this neighborhood, and every time they came to a house where the people said no thanks or slammed the door in their faces, they left going, cha-ching, more rewards in heaven. Praise God. So it brought me to ask myself, well then, why do I feel inhibited about approaching perfect strangers, even sometimes family members, and talking about my Lord, whom I love so much? And I found that I'm not alone in this. Maybe you feel that way too. Uh, I recently had a sister in the Lord confide in me, a person that has strong faith and not shy, that she, she struggles with that. So we're going to look at some reasons why you may find it difficult, why you, you may be uncomfortable. And the number one reason, they say, is the fear of rejection. We have an innate desire to be liked, right? No one wants to be disliked. And we're, I'm talking about taking this rejection personal. But we have to remember, it's not about us. See, that's our flesh talking. Important principle we have to remember, no matter how eloquent we may be, how knowledgeable, how dynamic we may speak, we can't save anyone. That has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> what we're called to do is share about our Savior. And so we have a part to play. It's an important part, but it's a small part compared to the work of salvation. So... We take the rejection personal because we feel we're being rejected. But it's not us that's being rejected, it's Jesus. In John chapter 15, verse 18, Jesus said, 
If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. And in 1 John 3.13, John wrote, Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. Don't marvel. Don't think it's strange. In fact, expect it. We're being reviled. We're being rejected. But it's Jesus they're rejecting. It's who we represent. And you know what? That's a, that's a badge of honor to endure a small amount of suffering for the name of Christ. It's an honor. That's a privilege. How much did Jesus suffer for us? And if being rejected bothers me, does it mean I care more about what people think than what God thinks? God forbid. God forbid. <clears throat> Another reason we may feel inhibited, frustration. We share, nothing happens. They refuse, don't want to hear, and, and that happens more often than not. And I thought of this illustration. Let's say that you're driving, and ahead of you is this bridge, and you see the bridge is out. And the road leading to this bridge is downhill, steep decline. So you get out of your car, and you're going to warn any cars coming. And you, cars come and you tell them, take your first right. Don't keep on going straight. The bridge is out. And you watch. People just keep on going straight to certain destruction. Makes me think of Jeremiah. Right? His whole ministry, he's sharing. He suffered much more than we ever will. He was thrown into prison. And there's no evidence of even one convert, one person heeding the message to repent. But he didn't quit. He persevered. And he continued to do what God called him to do. <clears throat> I've heard that in a person's life, usually it takes about seven times to hear the gospel before a person gets saved. And how interesting, seven, the number of completion. And I look at my life. In my life, I had people witness to me before I got saved. Seeds were planted, seeds were watered. I think of this one time when when my friends and I were out, and I was like 18, 19 years old, and these strangers came up to us, and, and they shared the gospel. Well, when, they, when I heard about, I'm a sinner that needs to repent, I got angry. And I said, I'm a good person. They didn't even know me. I'm a good person. And I said, I, I remember saying this, I've never killed anybody. The reason I say that, I'll explain. I was brought up in a church where sin was divided into two categories. Mortal, bad, and venial. Not so bad. Venial is not bad sin. You got mortal, that's a real bad sin. Venial, not so bad. Like lying or stealing a pen. Sort of See, I didn't know what the word of God said. I didn't know that all unrighteousness is sin. I didn't know that Jesus said, if you have murder in your heart. So, to me, I was a good person. So I rejected that message. And then about 16 years later, again, another stranger, complete stranger, <clears throat> asked me a question. You know what you have to do to go to heaven when you die? And again, I said what I was taught. You've got to believe in God and try to lead as good a life as you can. And when you die, hopefully, you'll go to heaven. And the person answered, what if I told you, you just have to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And I remember it like it was yesterday. I said, that's too easy. You're talking about heaven. That's too easy. 
But again, there was another seed that got watered that all led to my getting saved. You know, we, we don't all have the gift of evangelism, but we're all called to do the work of one. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, Paul wrote, But you'll be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. <clears throat> and you know, part of this frustration can come not from outright rejection, but something that can be just as frustrating, indifference, apathy, which is equally a dangerous place to be. Because in reality, they're directly opposed to the message of the gospel, to Jesus. They're an enemy of the cross. Because Jesus said in Luke 11, verse 23, he who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters. Another reason we may struggle with sharing, we don't know enough. Right? People might ask a question and we can't answer. First of all, this should encourage us to be in our Bibles. We need to be in the Word, studying, going to church where the Word is taught and explained. You're not going to know everything. You don't, you don't need to know everything. The gospel, praise God, is a simple message. It's all contained in one verse, really, John 3.16. And if you come across something that you can't answer, you know what? You say, hey, good question. Compliment them. Make them feel good. And you can say, I don't want to answer for sure unless I know I'm right, so I'll get back to you. Now here, this opens the door for further, further communication. You can ask for their email, phone number, maybe set up to meet another time. So we've looked at a few reasons why we don't share. I want to talk about why we should. And we've already talked about it's what God wants us to do, first and foremost. <clears throat> another reason, hell is real. A lot of people don't believe in hell. It's a place of horrible torment and suffering, and it's for all eternity. We know the way to avoid it. Even though it's what we deserve, the wages of sin is death, right? Jesus said, I'm the way. People need to hear there's a Savior, one who will ensure we not go to hell, but we'll spend eternity in heaven. I would say this is extremely important information. But who's going to tell them? How will they hear? Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 10. <clears throat> We're going to start in verse 9. In verses 9 to 13, really, Paul here is given, given the gospel. Romans 10, starting in verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him, on him, will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord overall is rich to all who call upon him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's the gospel. There's the message we need to share. But then he goes on, 
starting in verse 14. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring great glad tidings of good things. We have a message that's one of peace, that's one of glad tidings of great joy. But ultimately, it's, whether it's embraced or not is up to the hearer. We can't force anyone. And a frustrating aspect of the rejection is many don't realize the importance of their decision and the irreversible consequences if they die holding on to their rejection of the gospel. Second reason, if sin can be likened to a terminal disease and everyone suffers from it, all have sinned, come short of the glory of God, we know the cure. His name is Jesus. Think about it. What if you accidentally discovered cure for cancer? What would you do? Would you drive to a hospital and go to the cancer ward and want to speak to, to the doctors there? Would you call up a news station? Would you shout from the rooftops? Sin has eternal consequences. But no one has to die spiritually because Jesus has come. In John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Yes, we, we die physically. But there's an eternal death. That's being in hell. Jesus came so that we might have life. Life for all eternity. And in John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, in him, Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In Jesus, life, real life, eternal life, abundant life now, and amazing, blessed life forever and ever. And, and John said the light shines in the darkness, but those in the dark, they didn't comprehend it. Why? Satan, the enemy of our souls. His desire, no one gets saved. Remember, he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he's a, he's a father of lies, deceiving and confusing the lost. The third reason we need to share, we have a powerful message, and, but the power is not of us. Romans 1.16, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel, that's the power of God. It's not the power of us. And Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, the power's not in our eloquence. It's not in whether you're, you, you're a good speaker or not. The power is in the word of God. So when we share that, we're sharing powerful, life-giving truth. And that should take a load of us, off of us, of worrying. Because our witnessing, if we share the word, is good and powerful. 
fourth reason, if these are the last days, and I believe they are, how much more will we be sharing? There's going to be a judgment day, and it's coming. And all the lost will face judgment for their sins before a holy and just God. And think about something. A thousand years from now, what's really going to matter? The things you own, the personal accomplishments, even your troubles, it won't matter one bit. But if you have a part in someone coming to salvation through faith in Jesus, that's something that's going to last forever. Amen? <clears throat> As I said, we can't save anyone, but in reality, we're asked to do very little. In the parable of the sower and the seed, Jesus explained that a sower went out to seed, and the seed is the word of God. He doesn't ever really say who the sowers are, but he's speaking to his disciples, so that's who the sowers are, believers. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ here today? If yes, you're a sower. What exactly do we sow? The word of God. Well, how did the sowers do it? How did they sow seed in Jesus' day? They took a handful and they tossed it. They didn't take one seed at a time, put, dig a hole, put it in the ground, cover it up with dirt. <clears throat> the way they did it, maximum amount of seed spread, greater area covered. When we share the gospel, we're sowing seeds of faith. And the soil is a person's heart. But once that seed is spread, our responsibility ends. The result depends on First of all, what kind of heart the person had? Did, did they have a willingness to resist the devil, not give in to temptation? Do they uh, have a willingness to give Jesus priority over what is most important to them? Condition of their heart. But at least they've heard, and a seed has been planted in their hearts. But the responsibility is not of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, Paul said, So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but it's God who gives the increase. See, planting and watering is what we're called to do. That's something we can do, but it's God who saves. <clears throat> the fifth reason we should share. It should bother us. People are dying and going to hell. So I was curious. I wanted to know how many people die every day around the world. I had no idea. Turns out it's 166,000 people die every day. So how many of those are born-again believers? I'm going to be generous. I'm going to say half. I bet you it's not that. But I'll say half. But that means 83,000 people die every day and go to an eternity in hell. Now, I mentioned I want to have God's heart for the lost. I know this breaks God's heart. I know it. He sent his only son to die a horrible death so that people won't have to face the wrath that they deserve for their sin. Jesus faced it. <clears throat> we don't have to face the judgment for sin we deserve. Jesus did it. Salvation through Jesus, a free gift to all. And yet every day, more than 83,000 people head to eternal pain 
because of the decision they made <clears throat> to refuse the gift, the gift given in love, the greatest, purest love the world has ever known. That should break our hearts. You know, I shared Tuesday, this past Tuesday, in the Foundations of Faith class about the abundant life we have in Christ. We are so blessed. I can say for sure, you're going to have to agree with me, we're the most blessed people on the planet. Because not only do we have the assurance of heaven, which is a place of unimaginable beauty, where Jesus is going to be there with us for all eternity, we have so many blessings poured out upon us now, continually, before we get to glory. God's love poured in on our hearts. All these things are continuous. The joy of the Lord. We're given his mercy. We're given his grace, his peace, his strength, his comfort. We have his continual presence. Right? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. People need to hear this. Is our life better now than before we got saved? Yes. How much better? You, you can't assign a number. One person say a thousand, you're wrong. One person say a million, you're wrong. One person say a trillion. No, there's no number you can assign to it. <clears throat> and if someone offered you a billion dollars today, tax-free, you could live very comfortably the rest of your life with a billion dollars. But all you had to do was renounce Jesus. There wouldn't be a single true born-again believer in the world that would even consider that for a millisecond. Because the salvation that Jesus and only Jesus provides, it's priceless. Amen. Worth more than all the money in the world. Amen. Now, isn't this worth sharing? <clears throat> I came across this verse as I was uh, studying. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. John wrote, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. He's speaking of Jesus here. And I realized something. Well, you know, how blessed these guys were. They were with Jesus. They saw him. They heard him. They felt him. And then I realized, you know what? We've seen Jesus. We've heard Jesus. Not physically, but haven't we seen the work he's done in our lives, in the lives of others? Jesus did miracles. I'm looking out right now at a bunch of miracles the work of salvation, it's a miracle. And we definitely hear them every time we open up the Bible and hear the voice of our Lord. We're a special people. We're a privileged people. So hopefully by now, we've got a renewed zeal to share the gospel, the good news. We can have a part in someone coming to faith in Christ. So I want to share some practical ways, some tools we can use to be more effective sowers. And you may be surprised, it may not be the best idea to come right out and say, I want to tell you about Jesus. Because to some people, Jesus, uh-oh, it means God, it means religion, and right away they'll just shut down. <laughs> a good strategy is to ask a question. And you would think that this would be more... Uh, in my mind, because that's what worked with me. Somebody asked me a question. Because people like to talk. They like to share their thoughts, right? We all want to be listened to, to be heard. So some questions are, when you die, what do you think happens? Uh, what's on the other side of this life? If you died tonight, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? 
And like the question that was asked me, what do you have to do to make sure you go to heaven when you die? You know, sometimes we're, we get all fired up and blow up, but what we, what we want to tell people, but this gives uh, people an opportunity to share what they believe. And you find out where they're coming from. And when they do answer, why do you believe that? You'd be surprised. Many times people, they won't know why they believe what they're professing. Then we can share not only what we believe, but why we believe it. Because we've been given a book, the Bible, which is the word of God, which is truth. And you know what? I'll bet a lot of people that say, I don't believe the Bible, I can guarantee you they haven't read it. They haven't really read it. They're going by what others have heard, what others have said. And another good strategy is handing out tracts. Handing out tracts that share the gospel. People may not be inclined to hear you, but you give them something, they'll read it. Pastor Ben Hawali from Koinonia, he grew up in India. He got saved because some Christian handed him a tract. And, you know, it makes me think of our dear brother, Tony Kachalova, who just went home to be with the Lord. <clears throat> he was big about handing tracts. He said, I carry with them wherever I go, and I hand them out to everybody. And you never know what's going to happen. You never know. If the tract has the word of God, remember, it's living and powerful. And another verse says, God's word does not return void. We're commanded to speak the truth in love. And that's important. Speak the truth, but in love, in love. Let people see why we're sharing, because we care. We love them. And let our light shine. And if we get rejected, if we get reviled, not to respond in kind, we respond to hate with love. And we need to have compassion, because Many people, they don't realize the consequence that awaits them from rejecting the gospel, that they don't have a clue. <clears throat> so it made me think, if we had 24 hours to live, how would we spend it? There's lots of things you could be doing. You could take that trip somewhere you always wanted to, and give all your money away, go and make amends with others. But wouldn't we want to share the gospel with as many as we could? And I think about the boldness. Boy, I'd be as bold as can be. One day left, right? Well, you, guess what? You might only have 24 hours. Who here can tell me when they're going to die? Don't know. How about the person we're gonna, we want to uh, talk to, share with? They might have only 24 hours. You know, uh, a few weeks ago, in a matter of one week, three people that I knew or heard of in their early 60s died unexpectedly. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. That's why the Bible says today is the day of your salvation. <clears throat> and that person you're going to share with may have heard the gospel six times already. That seventh time. And I look back at my life, the people that witnessed to me you know, they were doing what God wanted them to do. I was a stranger to them. But God had put on their hearts because God cares about us. He desires the best for us. 
And he's, he will send people into our lives to share about his love. That's one way he, he pursues us, chases after us. Well, as I said, we can't save anyone, but there's a very important, powerful thing we can do. We can point people to the cross. And there's something powerful, powerful we can do after sharing. Pray. Pray. So I think now I'm going to change the title of the message from if we care, we should share to we do care and we'll share. And then follow up with prayer. Pray before you go out that God would direct us to those who are waiting for someone to tell them about Jesus. And afterwards, pray for them. It's a very important, powerful thing we can do to them. And I know people were praying for me before I got saved. I know those people that, that shared with me and I rejected them. After I left them, I can almost guarantee they prayed for me. And I can't wait to see them in heaven. <clears throat> so I pray everyone here listening or here in today is a born-again believer in Jesus Christ because Jesus is a personal God. And one thing I never understood until it was explained to me is he wants to have a personal relationship with us, with each and every person in the world. And it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. God's forgiveness is greater than any sin you've committed. <clears throat> so I want to give anybody here or anybody listening online an opportunity to pray to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. So bow your heart. It's a simple prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me so much you sent your only son to die on the cross for my sins. And, and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, be my Lord, be my Savior. I'm, I'm tired of living the life I've been living. God, I want you to take control. I thank you for how much you love us, how much you love me. And I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, it's a simple prayer because it's a simple message. The gospel is simple. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up now, and we're going to celebrate communion. We're going to partake of the, the Lord's table. And when we do this, it's an opportunity to thank God, to thank Jesus for what they've done for us. It's enabled us to live this abundant life that he gives us. And to give thanks for the blessings which are only going to increase exponentially in ways we can't imagine for all eternity. And at this time, Christmas time of, of uh, receiving gifts, Jesus is the greatest gift anyone could ever receive. Forgiveness of your sins, eternal life, it's a gift. And the gift is Jesus. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But every gift has a cost. And the cost of Jesus, he shed blood, his very life. So um, <clears throat> hopefully everyone has a, a communion cup. 
The worship team is going to lead us in worship and just come before the Lord and just reflect on his goodness, his mercy, and his grace. And after we worship, we'll, uh, we'll partake uh, together as family.